This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and we're glad to have you back and listening to what I think will be uh, an exciting episode because it's the third of a series of episodes that we're conducting with um, my co-authors of the book, Customer Experience 3. And today we have joining us two of those authors, David Wales and Miles Courtney Thomas. And so I'm going to ask our guests if they would introduce themselves and I will start with David. Welcome, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, my name is David Wells and I'm the founder of a company called Shared Aim. And we specialize in human-centered design, uh, particularly in areas where process or regulations or um, other things can become seen as the customer and the primary driver. So we try and humanize services. Excellent. And Miles, welcome to the Great. podcast. Thank you, Bob. Lovely to be on the podcast with uh, you and David. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Miles Courtney Thomas. I'm the head of customer service at the International Baccalaureate Organization. Uh, also the founder of CX Wales and Humanize CX. Um, so at least my work in uh, for the IB is very much around education um, and working with schools across the world. Excellent. And in case our, our listeners didn't pick up on that, you heard human mentioned in both introductions. So um, that's going to be uh, one of the topics of our discussions today. So um, I'd also like um, to know, and our listeners love to know the journeys of our CX professionals joining me on the podcast. How did you get to where you are today? Was there something in your background or in your upbringing that, that gave you a passion for this? I mean, what was your journey uh, that brought you to today and doing the type of things you're doing to help uh, companies and organizations create better experiences? And we'll just keep flipping the script here a little. Miles, perhaps I'll have you go first on this one and then David. Sure. Thanks, Bob. Um, so quite an eclectic journey really to get where I am today. My, I started off with my degree in psychology, uh, which, which gave me a, a real interest and passion for understanding the way that the, the mind works and how humans think and feel. Um, rather bizarrely after that, I moved into IT as a software developer. Uh, and then you sort of reach a moment when you think, well, these two things combined could be quite powerful if we can think about how humans interact with technology and about their feelings and sense, uh, senses around uh, their interactions with companies. From that point on, I, I moved on to work for Deloitte, uh, running their uh, customer service centre in Prague, and then on to a, a, a digital startup um, based in Wales, where we were providing a solution to create websites quickly and easily um, and onto the current role where I am today. So I think it was really um, just as I'd finished um, my work on the IT side as a software developer, I thought, 
I'd like to get into something that's a bit more personable where, you know, you can really uh, feel like you're making a difference. Excellent. Thanks, Miles. And David, how about you? Thank you, Bob. Again, probably quite an unusual route into customer experience. Uh, my background is in the fire service. And in 2009, I was an operational fire officer. And we asked the question of why the public weren't behaving as we told them to, because we had these wonderful procedures in place. But uh, when we turned up at fires, the, the public weren't doing their bit from our perspective. And it, it was a fascinating question. When I look back, it was a good question for the wrong reasons in many ways. But I became fascinated by the human behaviour. And after 20 years on the front line of the fire service, regularly in contact with people, the first set of interviews we did made me realise that the public had a completely different experience of fire, very different to mine, which I'd obviously chose to do. And the stories that they came through with, the language that they used, absolutely shocked me. And from that point on, I became absolutely fascinated because all I'd ever heard at that point was about the technical, the process, dealing with the job. And for the public, it was very different. And we recognised, as I say, that actually we'd never given the public a chance to talk to us. Whenever I spoke to them, I had a form that required them to give me certain bits of information that I'd already deemed to be important to us, not now and then to tell their whole story. And so we started on that process, the study of human behaviours and motivations built up over um, a number of years and went from local to national. And during that time, uh, had many fascinating conversations with colleagues and went back to the board and said, the reason they don't behave as we expect is because we haven't taken the time to understand what their priorities and needs are from us. And it won't surprise you to understand that they're very human, they're very practical, they're emotional, and they're very contextualised. It's very individual to that person. Um, so I continued that, that work on, and that's taken me across the world, to, and I still operate in the International Emergency and Humanitarian Services, advocating for change around customer-centred work or service user-centred work. Um, and I also undertook a master's in uh, risk and crisis management, which again was a focus on the people side. And just over two years ago, I left the fire service and set up shared aim consultancy. And so continue to operate between the two sectors. So very much in the international humanitarian emergency, but also more commercial customer experience with a view. And I think Miles mentioned it, having that intersection brings great benefits that you can take things from one sector to another. Fascinating backgrounds. And, and of course, I, I found that CX professionals backgrounds are rarely vertical in nature. They zigzag. And, and you two are, are clear examples of that. And I think it's so important that they do zigzag because you learn so much from those different experiences. <clears throat> so, Gentlemen, where are we at right now with customer experience, with employee experience, with, with the pandemic? And from your viewpoints, uh, what is happening and, uh, you know, in today's environment, what are organizations doing? What are, what are uh, employees doing? What are customers reacting to? You know, this whole gamut of how we're trying to emerge from the pandemic and kind of being pushed back into it and, and so forth. I, I really would appreciate your perspective, as I know our listeners would, from, from your viewpoints. And perhaps, uh, uh, Miles, we'll start with you. Well, yeah, I think that the, 
the pandemic has effectively brought forward thinking in these areas. Um, I think for many years, customer experience and customer service within organizations has to some degree been paid uh, a bit of lip service, but it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, topic. It's a bit of a buzzword. Let's do some journey maps, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we do know that um, many customers all around the world still experience what could be regarded as pretty poor customer service experiences. And that's, and that's important. We need to understand what's going wrong. So generally, if we take the pandemic out of this, uh, it, it's been a, a big focus on let's get in um, some journey mappers or let's look at things in a more holistic way uh, rather than really trying to understand what's going on for the end user in real terms. So the pandemic has, has put a lot of pressure on organizations, both from a customer and an employee experience perspective. Now, to take the latter of those, the employee experience perspective, I mean, many organizations I'm seeing are really now making some very powerful concerted efforts um, to really think about how experiences uh, are happening for this staff. And that's not something that's really happened across the board before. It's been a few companies here and there that have really thought about it. So um, like many of you, um, the companies that we work with or work for uh, have been putting out yeah, yoga sessions, mental health sessions, um, you know, making sure that we um, collaborate and engage with each other and listen and understand to concerns that, that may arise. Um, and, and that's a really good positive thing because uh, the, the two areas are directly correlated. I often see arguments on, on LinkedIn saying, no, they're not. Yes, they are. But I, I truly believe they are. If you're, if you're really looking after your member of your staff, of your staff, and you understand them more than that, you're empowering them, giving them the right tools, training and support to be successful. And that's the link between the two things. Then um, you're going to see better customer experiences coming through too. So when you think about customer experience and employee experience, um, you could almost argue that the same critical rules sit behind all of them. Um, so when you think about customer experience, it's about uh, the customer being able to achieve their task or their goal. Um, they've got to be able to do that with uh, relative ease. Um, and of course, they want that to be an enjoyable experience too. The same is true um, for employees. We need to make sure that they have the empowerment tools and training to be successful, achieve their tasks and goals. Um, we don't want to make it really difficult for them to achieve those goals because that has a direct impact. Um, and of course, you want to maintain staff within an organization. You don't want a, a lot of turnover because that also uh, adversely affects the customer experience too. So making sure that they have uh, an environment where they feel nurtured and supported uh, is going to make a, a great deal of difference. I mean, I've been on the phone to utilities companies and you know talking to support and you can hear the kids in the background. Now, a year ago or two years ago, you would have been thinking, what's going on here? This doesn't sound right at all. But now I think there's a, a greater human appreciation of the fact that we all have lives, whether you work for a company or whether you're a customer of a company. Uh, and, and I think that's helped to bring community together a little bit more for me. Excellent. <clears throat> David, why don't we get your insights and then we can uh, collaborate together and talk about uh, the comments from both of you. Thank you. I, I think it's still quite a confusing picture as probably you'd expect coming out of the pandemic when everything we considered to be normal was upended. And I, I guess there's a couple of bits for me in terms of the trends. There seems to be a dilemma between as humans, as employees, we've recognized that we missed the human contact. 
and how much we value that and how important it is to our well-being in our everyday lives. And in parallel with that, we've seen a huge investment in the digital programs and acceleration of those. And I, I wonder as a profession, whether we're gonna have the collective action to make sure that we're aware of the wider implications because it's very easy with the money that can go into technology and digital on an individual basis to then actually start to push out some of the humanity that we all need. Those little moments that are almost allowing people to freely interact and not necessarily part of an expected outcome. And I think of things like we used to have in the UK, the post office where people used to go and collect their money. And it wasn't about collecting the money for a lot of people, it was about the social opportunity. And so as an individual, it's easy to make your services more efficient and te technology driven or digital. But I think collectively as a society and, and in society, we're both employers, employees and friends, family. We need those moments of humanity. And, and I wonder how we will resolve that tension of the desire to digitize with the need for human. And historically, the human side is always poor, fed rather poorly. Um, the other trend I think we'll have to get more used to is managing uncertainty. This, and I'd be interested in Miles' view on this in a minute as well, that obviously businesses don't like uncertainty because it's making it difficult to plan against. And so we, we very much use historical data to look forward and, and we try to fill those gaps. And I think often that gives us a false picture um, and no one really predicted COVID or the impact it's had. And so I'd like, to, I'd be interested to see how CX profession generally will deal with the uncertainty because there will definitely be more of it, um, relying on going too far with predicting um, gives us a false picture and actually makes us less agile. And I think very much we've seen in the pandemic, those companies that have been more agile in mindset and capability than those that haven't. I um, had a call just the other day where the, the first comment to me was, we value your call, but I'm sorry, we're very busy. And the message continued to say it was down to COVID. We're too far into COVID for that to be a message. And also if I'm phoning up, I, the first thing I want to hear is not the pressures on the business, I accept that but I'm phoning to get my job done. So I think there's lots of things um, that would be interesting to how we resolve them at a practical level as well as a philosophical level. Excellent, thank you both. Miles, a reaction to David's comments? David, reaction to Miles? Let's just get right into the thick of it. I, so uh, just a couple of comments. One, David, I, I think you know, your comments about being too far into the pandemic to continue to use COVID as an excuse is, is so valid. And then the, the, you know, the whole concept of humanity and, and our race to digitization and the leaving humanity behind. And then the comments about customer service and customer experience. I mean, there's just a lot of rich comments from both of you. I'd be interested in, in uh, your thoughts uh, and what you heard from one another. Um, I'll start if you don't mind. So yeah, I think David raises a lot of uh, exceptionally valid points. And it's an interesting one around agility, because yes, um, if you if you think about uh, the world and the evolution of, of humans, um, what, what we've done throughout that evolution is set structure and taxonomies around uh, our experiences that allow us to um, verbalize and communicate them to others. Um, and to a degree, companies need a certain uh, level of, um, uh, of certainty, um, but that doesn't mean that they're not mutually exclusive. So a company can have a good structure and good process, 
but still be agile. And I think it's about drawing that, that link between agility and innovation here as well. Um, when we think about um, older companies that have been around for 50, 60 years, um, the, the, the general sense is going to be that they're so structured that they're going to struggle with any huge changes. I mean, there, there are lots of examples and you see them out there like Blockbuster um, and, and the other uh, well-known names that have disappeared over the years because they were unable to uh, react to uh, a, changing, a changing sense of uh, community um, and, and life, if you like. Um, now, when you talk about innovation, it's, it's a difficult one because there are different types. Um, agility um, was forced upon many companies uh, when the pandemic arose. It's, it was very much that suddenly we're going to have to move from what has always been our way of operating, which is members of staff in an office that we can watch and monitor and make sure they're doing their job to one where we move to uh, having to work remotely. Um, that means changing technologies away from um, our traditional ways of meeting into things like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Um, and that's been very uncomfortable for some organizations, yet they've, they've done it. And we've noticed a, a drop in um, customer service levels as a result of that. And there's a period of grace where we accept it uh, and say, OK, you didn't know this was coming. None of us did. Um, you're moving towards a new approach. Um, but that, that, that grace period is now over. It's been over for a while. And now we expect companies to already be in a position where they can um, uh, provide the right services. In the book, incidentally, um, I, I put in an example from a, a car rental firm. Um, and, you know, they realized very early on that um, with people being furloughed and with a lot of uncertainty in a human way around where my next wage check is coming from, they introduced um, a free um, income uh, protection insurance with their, their lettings, their leasings of their vehicles. Now, you know, that that is a stroke of genius in some ways because they really understood that their customers are impacted by this thing that's much bigger than them as a company. It's affecting the whole world and all of their customers. And they, they, they must have surely thought through and thought, well, what can we do to reassure our customers that they can still get the car that they want or they need for whatever reason um, and um, feel assured that their working uh, income is not going to be a big issue in relation to that. So I, I realize I've, I've mentioned quite a few different areas there, but uh, yeah, agility and innovation is an important one. And uh, it's the companies that can think in an agile and innovative way that are gonna be the forefront of the, the winners going forward. Excellent, David, your thoughts? Thank you, Bob. And thank you, Miles. Yeah, lots to pick up on. I'm struck. Um, I think by some of the latter comments, particularly from Miles and, and something that's been going through in my mind, is almost reverse engineering how we think about customers. We're always human and only sometimes a customer. And I think sometimes we forget about that because we look through the organizational lens towards the transaction or the point of service or somewhere along the journey and almost exclude everything else that's going on in people's lives. And whether it's social issues, whether it's financial fi health, we all arrive as a customer with a background that's very variable. And I think picking up on Mars's point, I think the companies that will do well will look way beyond the traditional focus of the transaction and making that as good as possible to really understand the choices that people are making and what they're trying to achieve. 
nobody wakes up wanting to be the proud owner of a loan. You want the loan to enable something else, which may be a car. That car itself may have a secondary purpose of allowing you to take on a new job or to allow travel. The travel or the new job may itself have rewards. So I think understanding humans and our variability, how I behave today, doesn't necessarily predict how I'll behave tomorrow because there'll be different pressures on me. And I'll bring those into the customer role as well as every other role that I play that day. And it's something I'm looking at um, for researching a book at the moment around the idea of human first before customer. And I think, as Miles said, you know, particularly the role of innovation, technology is often applied to, I heard a great phrase the other day, introducing new tech to old systems. And I think it is trying to shift that thinking, say, if this arrived, if the technology arrived and we're very clear on our purpose, could we work fundamentally different? Or are we continually putting effectively plasters on a system that was designed decades ago? And it's a real problem for some of the larger companies because shifting models at scale whilst operating at business as usual is very difficult. But I think no action is probably higher risk than undertaking that process of transformation towards something more agile, innovative, and actually picking up on Mars' comments, thinking about the employee experience as well. Bob, do you mind if I come back in at that point? Absolutely. I just I'll, I'll share with our listeners a reminder you're listening to co-authors of the book Customer Experience 3, David Wales and Miles Courtney Thomas. We're talking about the state of customer experience and a whole broad range of topics on this episode of All Things Considered CX. So yes, Miles, please uh, join in. Great, thank you. Uh, so David, I think it's really interesting what you're talking about technology there um, and in your initial comments around the fact that there's a, a push to um, uh, using digital technology more, which has a, uh, a limiting factor on, on where the human value exists, which is in those uh, very human interactions that could be um, a, uh, you know, a telephone call with a customer or something like that. Now, the big problem is that you know, um, when you look at organizations, uh, unfortunately, they're still stuck in the mindset of, um, the bottom line and the finances and, and these matters without really understanding that there can be a very significant return on investment from um, doing things in the right way. So uh, for a customer, um, you know, there are certain companies you interact with that you don't want to build up a really big relationship with and have a, a cheery newsletter every month, but there are other organizations where it can provide real and significant value uh, and advocacy, if you like, for an organization. And that, that all needs to be uh, unpacked across different types of industries and organizations, of course. But I think you are right in saying that there is a, um, an inherent risk to um, engagement um, with customers through the advent of new technologies. Now, there's nothing in the rule book that says that new technologies need or must um, remove those human uh, impacts. So take for an, an example, um, you know, having to wanting to speak to a, um, uh, an organization uh, as a customer. Um, the options you give them today are probably telephone call, email, or a web chat. Um, what's wrong with a video call? Uh, wouldn't that be an amazing experience? I mean, I don't know of any companies, I'm sure there are some, where I can contact them and have a video chat with them and maybe, you know, build up a rapport with the agent that I'm, I'm discussing it with. And, and the only other point I was going to come back on is around um, uh, something David mentioned about having a greater understanding of the customer and, and their life journey. And that, that was a, a very core part of the chapter I wrote in that uh, customers, um, sorry, companies, 
who can build up a more eclectic or holistic view of their customers um, are going to be more likely to be able to innovate and be more agile moving forward. Now, the one of the examples I used was around uh, housing providers, um, social housing providers. And uh, what, what they do is they don't just, you know, uh, rent you a house to live in, which is important because we all need a house, but they also understand that the, their customers are ones that are vulnerable and at risk. And so what, what they've done to understanding in a more holistic way, their customer, is they've developed ancillary services that are directly related to the services they provide. So it's not only about the house, it's about um, dealing with antisocial behavior. It's um, free classes on how to budget, um, parenting tips, uh, these sorts of things. And, and that can branch out even further as well. I mean, it doesn't have to be a service that's offered directly by the company, but partnering with other organizations that is another link in that journey um, you know, when you when you talk about um, getting a loan, yeah, David's absolutely right. I am certainly not the proud owner of a number of loans, um, but you know they are there and they they do provide greater value than just handing the money over. Now, understanding um, when people need to borrow money are the things that we can take from that that would allow us to um, provide a better service as we move along. And, and that's an open question. Um, but there, there's a lot of interesting things here that um, we, we could go into in a lot, a lot more depth, no doubt. Absolutely. So uh, my, the thought that comes to my mind is, where do we go from here, gentlemen? Uh, you've touched on some really important topics that frankly, I think we could talk about for the rest of the day um and still have still need more time but where do you think we go from here how do we make sense of everything that you're talking about because it's so pertinent to where we're at in experience management right now if i could come on to that Bob, i think um there's an interesting debate around what do we mean by human and human-centered to start with and it's popping up everywhere now, and I think it, it may lose some credibility if we haven't really got a general sense or a common sense of, of how we want to use that term, um, because it does mean very different things. And, and I think it, it, there's a debate around or some discussions around exploring how we want to position that terminology. I think what, in line with that, one of the things that, um, again, Miles touched on was what does that mean in terms of how much does a company need to know me as an individual? And the more I looked at it, the more I really thought it's about the right choices, because actually, if you try and get too far into my life, it's invasive, it, you've got uh, data issues, and actually it's unnecessary. What we companies need to do is find the right choices, because as I say, on any given day, my needs, my mood, my attitude may differ. So a company can't necessarily control the experience I have, but they can control the options that I would like and the decisions I, I would like to take from there. And an example really comes to mind that the relentless pursuit of personalization, I've recently just switched off a, um, an on-demand service, it, it, I won't name which one, but the algorithm got to the point where it predicted everything it thought I wanted to such a narrow degree, I struggled, I spent more time find, trying to find something to, to view than I did actually viewing because I was trying to scroll through something that had been narrowed down to such a degree based on previous history or based on other parts of the algorithm. So I think for me, it's about, I make different choices. My past behavior won't always predict the future. And 
unless we kind of really get to the crux of what do we mean by being human, what do we mean by personalization, I think some of the investments that were made will go in the wrong direction. And that would actually be um, quite poor for us as a CX industry to allow that to happen because we're always fighting our corner trying to make sure that people understand the value of customer experience. And what we don't want is to give an easy option for them to put any things that haven't quite worked out as we hoped at our door. So I think, let's say, in terms of where do we go, certainly really bottoming out what do we mean by human, what do we mean by personalization, and reconciling with that, is that really what customers want? Miles, what are your yeah. thoughts? Fantastic, David. I mean, um, the, 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 the phrase that came to my mind when you were talking about that algorithm for uh, a service that is not to be mentioned, uh, the, the, the phrase that came into my mind was a, a self-fulfilling echo room. Um, I'm not sure if that's valid or not, but it, I think you can see that, you know, a lot of the data points that companies hold on us are static data points and don't really understand the reality of what a human existence is. Um, when we're talking about where do we go from here? Well, that is a big question. And uh, if I could give you a really authoritative answer, um, well, I'd probably be a millionaire, but aside from that, um, the, I, I think the CX industry as a whole needs to take a step back and reflect. Um, and, and this actually um, correlates back to something David said earlier about uh, rigid process design or structure. Um, and, you know, when you start thinking about customer experience, everything gets put into these nice, neat little buckets. But uh, human behavior and thought doesn't always fit neatly into those nice little buckets. So um, let's, uh, let, let's focus, I think, uh, on what we mean by human value. Um, and that, that's not one answer for a group of people or a group of individuals, but it's the decisions we make, uh, us as CX professionals and uh, the people we work in and our organizations need to get a greater understanding and a level of empathy to understand what that human value means. Um, and uh, again, that's going to be different across different companies. I mean, you've got to look at the, the value of a, a customer service interaction. You've got to look at the value of a product, but you've also got to bring in the more eclectic side. Uh, of human understanding about, um, you know, uh, needs are going to be changing on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think my takeaway from this is that, you know, uh, you, you must start with a, a great customer ex uh, service experience. And, you know, the journey maps uh, and, uh, you know, the service design is, is very important too. Um, but what we are, what we do tend to be seeing is that despite uh, a lot of this work going on, there hasn't been a uh, statistically significant improvement in the levels of the service experiences that people are having. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we're um, just checking boxes off. So we're saying, okay, NPS looks fine. That's great, let's move on. Let's not think about anything else. Um, and there was a, a quote I listened to this morning from Rob uh, Kaufman. I'm not sure if I pronounced the surname right. I, I, I hope I have. Um, where he said, um, you know, in a lot of organizations, the only time that anyone really thinks about customer service is when there's a complaint. And that's certainly not the way it should be. And, um, you know, that, that probably leads into some of the talk around, well, what data do we need? And how can we use the data that we obtain to help uh, create those better experiences? Uh, it's it, it's so true up from a customer service standpoint. I, I, I've often had an experience where I've worked in an organization and the executive leadership says, we have to improve our customer experience. So would you go in and fix customer service because they're getting too many calls? And my response always is, 
we we may have to fix something in customer service, but that's not where we're starting because something happened somewhere else that's causing those calls to come into customer service. And so we have to fix a lot more than just service to create a better experience. Our time together has just flown by, gentlemen, as I thought it might, but I always like to wrap up our podcasts and ask your sage words of advice for our listeners. Uh, I, I really, really like this topic of uh, humanity and human-centric, and you've really done a great job at bringing context around that. I, I hope we can explore this more in future discussions, but I love to give my guests time to share those final words of wisdom, maybe something we didn't talk about you'd like to share. Um, sage advice, uh, this is the uh, open forum type uh, section of our podcast. So uh, I'll, David, I'll uh, start with you if you don't mind. Thank you, Bob, and it's been an absolute pleasure to be with yourself and Miles, and uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to join you. And in terms of takeaways, I think one of the things that, picking up on Miles's point, there are a lot of things for us as a profession to really think about, and in some ways we make problems for ourselves that whilst we often rail against silos, we are in effect one ourselves, whether we're competing against change management or project managers or other assets in the organizational life. And to an extent, I would think if I reversed it and sat in the C-suite, probably what I want is a, a team of multi-skilled people that can drive forward change in, in using different skill sets. And so again, so picking up on Mars's point, I think there are some things that probably as a profession we need to really think about if we are to get the best value out of customer experience to make sure this is a, a long-term and valued profession. Um, but I, I suppose for general comments, it's just embrace humanity, embrace uncertainty, embrace creativity and, and difference. They're not enemies. They're not things to be overcome. They are all part of the mix. And again, as Miles parts up, they're not competitive, but a, a good organization will have a balance between the things that it, it can predict and know and those that it's comfortable not knowing and seeing that as an opportunity, not a threat. Excellent. Thank you, David, for those words. Miles. Yeah, similar to David. Thank you, Bob. This has been a pleasure. Um, I almost want to keep talking for another hour. But, uh, right. Uh, so do I. <laughs> Our listeners might not stay tuned, but we can certainly talk for another hour. <laughs> so I, I think uh, words of wisdom. I, I think um, from my perspective, the world has changed following on from the pandemic. And um, customers are now looking to companies to... Um, care about something and you know care about them but also care about other things as well whether that be the environment uh, and these should not be um, just words written on a page but it's really the uh, it's, it's the actions and the behaviors that are important similar to when we meet a human for the first time they will tell us something about them um, if uh, on subsequent meetings with that person they are doing things that uh, are, are behaviorally dissonant from what they told us they are that creates cognitive dissonance which leads to mistrust um, I think um, final point really I'm, I'm just going to leave a simple quote um, from the book um, and the, the quote is um, intelligence without empathy is an empty path and uh, intelligence in this 
meaning is really about understanding. Um, so it's our understanding of others um, and having the empathy together that can really formulate a very powerful um, uh, duality, I think, towards making the world a better place, but also making experiences for customers better. So again, just to say intelligence without empathy is an empty path. Excellent. And listeners, if you want to learn more about any of the topics we talked about today, it's uh, all in a great resource of 20 plus authors, including Miles and David in the Customer Experience 3 book. One final question for both of you. How's the, how is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, David and Miles, uh, LinkedIn, a website, what, what uh, is the best way for them to do that? Okay, I'd say for me, it's uh, LinkedIn, definitely. Um, so linkedin.com slash milesct. Excellent. Thanks, Miles. And David? And the same for me, Bob, David at Chairdame on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Again, thank you both uh, for joining uh, me on today's podcast. Very uh, fascinating discussion and worthy of uh, diving into the topics uh, in much greater detail at some point in the future. And listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your networks. And, and as always, stay tuned for another episode with great guests and fascinating topics to challenge your thought process around a CX and experience management. And remember, we are part of the CXFM radio network. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at innovativecx.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.